Chris Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, welcome in Reno. Giant game this week. Nevada football comes south to Allegiant to take on the Rebels. We'll get to an interesting story on the Rebels side. Maybe an outside shot that all that they thought was lost. With that game in Hawaii, maybe back on the table when we're talking about a bowl game, which should get both sides fired up. But that's coming up in our 5 o'clock hour. John Von Tobel is here. It's Cofield. Here is actually California. We're on the road as we're covering uh, college basketball tournaments. Let's do it. How do we start off the 4 o'clock hour? Big 4 at 4. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big 4 at 4. Number 4. So everyone on the show is a little bit different when it comes to international soccer. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I like it, but I'm not a diehard. We've got others who are crazy. We've got others who absolutely do not care. I think you're in the middle or maybe a little further above me in terms of caring. Is it mostly betting or have you actually enjoyed soccer over the years? Oh, I I love like the game of soccer is, I think, very enjoyable. If I had enough time to actually follow soccer, like on a like transactional basis and whatnot, I'd totally be in. I really enjoy the sport of soccer. But World Cup, always 100% in. Love it. Today was a big upset. It was. Yes. Saudi Arabia, and again, in a culture of soccer where much of what happens with the weaker teams is, hey, let's just try to get a freaking draw. Saudi Arabia was really aggressive and picked up an upset victory over Argentina. And you know how big soccer is with the Argentinians. The number on this was anywhere from, because they do the three-way money line, right? Yep. You get a draw. You get a win for the favorite, and you get a win for the dog. I think Saudi Arabia went off anywhere from 20 to 1 to 25 to 1. Some spots as high as 29 to 1. Ooh, Argentina was like minus 700. Yep. They lost outright. And like you said, like the narrative behind Argentina, right, the failures with Messi in terms of winning a World Cup, this being it for him, and then to start off the World Cup with this sort of a loss as this massive of a favorite. And to your point, too, it's not like Saudi Arabia scored an early goal and then, as they say, parked the bus. And just didn't do it. They went down. Afterwards. Yeah. They went down. Yep. Did you look? Did you check the uh, in-game number when they were down? No. Massive. Really? Massive. I'm, yeah, assume, we'll, uh, I'm assuming. We're going to yeah. check in. Uh, we'll get the number later on from Sam Paniotovic, who's with us in the uh, 5 o'clock hour. But, yeah, I mean, in-game, when you're a 25-to-1 dog coming in, and it's soccer, and a one nothing lead is like being up, you know, 28 nothing in American football. That's what it feels like a lot of times. Wow. Yep. What a big one for uh, – Saudi Arabia, national holiday tomorrow. So I assume all the men get off. I know we can do jokes about how gross some of these cultures are. But, uh, yeah, big win for Saudi Arabia. Number three. Number three. This is a weird week for you. Uh, You're working hard. I know you got uh, 14 different jobs. John Von Tobel works for everyone. We appreciate him working for us. And he actually helped. He did the setup for the show today. He didn't help. He did the setup for the show today because he's a man of many talents. The family was out of town, so you decided to leave town to go on the road trip. When you get back, I assume you go right back to leisure time. When you have some free time, you play video games. I, well, I don't have any free time anymore. Okay. Uh, any free time that you may have had in the past, you were a big NCAA football guy? Oh, I loved it. I, I, I joke with Caleb Herring, the, play, sure. the color analyst for UNLV football. 
uh, that he owes me a lot because yes. I took him to back-to-back poinsettia bulls yes. you know, when he was a quarterback. You have been a winning coach yeah. in recent times for the uh, <laughs> the, the team in southern Nevada, as the northern Nevadans like to say. You've been an assist- a very successful coach, but in a video game. Of course, of course. So uh, what's by, happening now? By the way, can I just say really quickly, one of the greatest nuggets, because I forgot this, uh, they gave Caleb dreads in the NCAA football game because it can never make the player models look exactly like the players. So Caleb had dreads when he played for UNLV football. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Um, so they're supposed to be remaking it. It's supposed to come back. Obviously, everything with Ed O'Bannon and whatnot, it got taken off the shelves. In terms oh, of the okay. lo- yeah, it got taken off the shelves because of the lawsuit um, and player likeness and whatnot. So it was officially set to come back this year, 2023, or this next coming year. It has been delayed until 2024, and I don't know what to do with myself. I was so looking forward to it. It is arguably the best sports game of all time, NCAA football, and I was so excited to see what they were going to do with it, and now we have to wait another year. It's heartbreaking. This is massive, Steve. This is huge. People, sports fans, are going to get back into video games to get this game, and we have to wait another year for it. Number two. So you mentioned your conversation with a former college football player. You know, and over the years, we've both done sports radio long enough. You work with athletes. You develop relationships. You can joke with them a little bit. But, man, you were telling me about uh, Peter Burns, who does a lot of stuff for ESPN and SEC Network. You want to set this up? Man, this is like – when I – when I read this, I'm like, who, like, what sort of relationship do you think you have with a former NFL player, bruh? So you have a SEC. It's a four-man panel, so you're going to hear a lot of voices here. Uh, but it, it is uh, Peter Burns and everybody has uh, navy blue suits on, essentially. And Benjamin Watson uh, is the only one who's a little off color. And that's what they set up the joke with what he's wearing. And this is what happens. Uh, 45, 20. By the way, did you not get the memo on the suits? We all went dark today. You were, you're like Easter yeah, service. Y- y'all kind of y'all kind of leave me out. Oh man, as long as I get the text from my wife that says I look good. Oh, really? yeah. so, so, send me the text, babe. Send me the text. <laughs> it's not the one she sent me. Okay, I assume Peter Burns and and Benjamin Watson are pretty good friends, and because I don't even know, like I consider you a friend. You're a peer. You're a coworker. I don't know that I would even make that joke about your wife. Right. Um, and there's no, like, you know, we don't have, like, a status difference. And it's a former NFL player, you know, Benjamin Watson, pretty big name. I mean, look. So it, did it just roll off everyone or did that, oh, turn into something? Uh, it turned into something, I think, because they come back from commercial break. And, again, to set Uh-oh. up what you're about to hear here, uh. Peter Burns and Benjamin Watson are gone. It's a four-man desk. Oh, really? And both of them are gone. Their seats are empty. Oh, boy. And it's just the two guys remaining. And when you hear it come back, Benjamin Watson comes in looking pissed. Like, during a live shot, he just walks in on the oh, really? and sits down. Oh, boy. And you hear what happens after this, and Burns is just gone. He's never He doesn't come back. Welcome back to the Farm Rich Halftime Report. Uh, just you and I here, Taki. I'm not sure what happened to uh, Peter Burns, or oh. did, you, uh, did you have him keep... Your wife's name out of his mouth? Huh? <laughs> we'll, we'll see how Peter Burns is uh, with that smart mouth in the second half, but uh, Gators do not get much going in the first half. That huh is Watson sitting down on yeah. the set, and that's you hear him put his phone down, and he just, when they ask him, is he going to keep, he just shakes his head. He looked furious. Burns has since apologized. Oh, really? Yeah, he tweeted out an apology. And here's the thing. This is the best part about it. Burns, I need you to go look it up, or I'll pull it up so I can show you right now. Burns actually tweeted out a picture of him and Benjamin Watson saying, oh, everything's good. We're all friends here. Everything's fine. You tell me if Benjamin Watson looks like everything's okay. Uh, Not really, <laughs> unless he's posing with an angry look because 
Peter Burns, the uh, broadcaster, is trying to kind of mug for the camera, like, hey, all's good. It's all funny. Yeah. Sometimes you get a little too comfortable. Uh, yeah, sometimes it. you get a little too comfortable <laughs> and you step over the line. By the way, somebody mentioned they zoomed in on, on Burns' eyes. You can actually see a tear in one of his eyes. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. You think he scared him enough to get him to cry, or he's up? He, or he, you know, he, he felt like he hurt the guy's feelings, so he was upset. What a weird deal. We got to get some follow up on this. Nothing like live TV exploding into uh, anger and angst behind the scenes. That is dynamite. Top story. Number one. Well, speaking of tears, we saw Derek Carr crying a couple weeks ago. Whatever he did on the field and off the field to get himself together, get the offense together, it worked, right? They beat Denver. Went up sweeping the Broncos. He has a nice game. Uh, two big touchdown passes late in the game. The overtime pass was awesome. The route, the routes throughout the game by Devontae Adams mm-hmm. were dynamite. We discussed this yesterday. Does a game like that now make you feel like, hey, Derek Carr could be the quarterback for the Raiders for a couple more years to come? Because after last week and the crying thing, we're all like, okay, that's about the end of it. You think this last Denver game heals things? And it's like, Derek Carr, full bore, moving ahead with the Raiders. I mean, I'm not sure if it heals things, but I feel like Derek Carr has a really important like arrow in his quiver that we don't mention much about. Devontae Adams, right? Like, if Devontae Adams believes in Derek Carr, which I would assume that part of the reason why he wanted to come out here, doesn't Adams, in his opinion, have a little bit more sway than Derek Carr's play? That's a great question. It's a question of the rest of the season and especially the early part of the offseason. Right? Like, is he cool with a new quarterback? Is he cool rebuilding? Is he cool having a young quarterback in there? Is he cool going with a bridge quarterback to a young quarterback? Will he want to be immediately sent to a winning team? By the way, his contract is $29 million a year. Not always that easy right. That's to make that deal. Move. So you're right. Devontae Adams is a really big part of this. I still feel like if Carr doesn't show much improvement and they don't win games, that the contract was written so they could move on. And I... I don't want to accuse McDaniels and Ziggler of anything, but that moving on does ensure them at least a couple more years. Like, hey, now we're in a rebuild. Yeah. You got to give us time. Right? Mm-hmm. You got to give us time. If you're a car, and you know he's starting to think about it, yeah. where would you want to go? What, what would you want your next stop to be? I mean, it's, I hate to say this. It, it's not specifically this team, but it's an Indianapolis Colts-type stop, is it not? Like a team that you feel like you could go to and be the missing link. Right. I mean, like, and it's not even just Indianapolis. It would be the Colts. It would be the uh, Washington Commanders, potentially, that have some talent that could maybe in that division. The New York Giants under Dable. The Commanders would not be on my list as long as Dan Snyder is the coach, so I I I would take them out. I think an interesting spot would be, depending on what Aaron Rodgers does, maybe it's Green Bay. Listen to Rodgers on... The McAfee show, McAfee had this long question about, hey, do you think about uh, what's going to happen in the future or if you're done for football after this year, done with football after this year, fire this. When you have interests outside of the game, there's always things that uh, that come up that you spend time doing, you know, in some of your free time that uh, that you're going to do more when you're done playing. So, of course, of course, there's that thought. But when you're when you're in it and you're creatures of habit, obviously, the focus is on the season. The focus is on the preparation and. That doesn't change, but it doesn't also change that you can't have interest outside of the game. There's life after football, and there's life outside of football even during the season, and I think it's important to to keep that balance. Makes sense to you? He's not going to make a commitment now to another year or two. It's not going to happen. I didn't take that from there. No, I'm just saying, 
I, I'm not saying the door is closed. I just don't expect an answer from, from him anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Like he admits he's thinking about his future. Which he should. That it's not all about this year, but most of it's about this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean, look, I think he, he's also this guy, right? He's always going to talk in like these vague circles because he likes he likes the attention as much as he tries to say that he doesn't. And I think it's really smart to think about life after football for some of these guys. We see all the time where guys don't think about life after football, and once it all ends, because it's going to, they kind of sit around and they don't know what to do with themselves. Give me more Rodgers. Maybe this is more definitive. Yeah, it's been it's been an awesome run. I mean, I'm I'm really proud of uh, what I've accomplished. I don't, you know, I'm not like looking forward to the end. And, and you know, life after football is going to be a tough transition. That's for every player that finishes up. And I don't know when that's going to be. You know, I don't know if it's going to be after the season or after three more seasons or whatnot. Damn! Roller coaster of emotions there. I do love talked talked about sounded like finality on his career. Then he's like, the transition will be tough. Damn it. He doesn't want to make the transition. I, I do love what we just went through in this last year with him. And then here he is on Pat McAfee's show. He's like, yeah, it might be time for this year. Or not. Like, he's going to do it all over again. He's he As much as he tries to think that he is like this entity that is above like the normal goings of a, of a star and a quarterback, he's the exact same as everybody. Else. Derek Carr destinations in the AFC. I would look at the Colts. Yeah. I would... Consider the Steelers. I would also consider the Patriots. Yeah. Because Mac Jones ain't it. Wow, that fell off real quick. What about the Jets? Robert Sala won't commit to Zach Wilson this week. And that defense and the talent there is good enough where if you're looking around, you feel like I need a stopgap to maximize what we have. Why not the Jets? Can I answer as a Jets fan? No, thank you. (laughs) Derek Carr and the New York media. That ain't the mix. Oh, that'd be great. That ain't the mix. Big Forward 4 is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. They have an office in Reno and in Las Vegas. You can call from anywhere in Nevada, 766-1400. They're the same guys every day. They work really hard. They want to take the coaching. And, you know, we try to be as consistent as possible as a coaching staff. And you know, the energy and level of wanting to get the things done and want to get the level of execution at a high level has been great from the guys. I give them a lot of credit because all they've done in here is come to work and have great positive attitudes. For us, this entire season, I have no complaints for that because it's been really excellent from their part all year. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. Vic Lombardi, offensive coordinator for the Raiders on the way back. Miles Simmons is in Thanksgiving week. I think he's in Cleveland. Miles, how you doing, buddy? I am in Cleveland. I'm doing well. How are you? How is it? Is it cold? Uh, it, yeah, I had a red-eye flight, got off this morning, and it was like 25 degrees, which was not uh, the best coming from, you know, mid-60s in Los Angeles. But we do what we have to. Yeah, we do. You know, like Steve and I, for example, Miles, we were in Hawaii on Friday and Saturday. We came back to Vegas, got on a quick flight back. Now we're in uh, San Juan Capistrano. I feel you, man. It's a brisk 65. It is kind of rough here, so we feel uh-huh. you. We're a little chilly. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm I not going to do the thing where it's like a oh, person in the cold weather city gets like mad over people who are not in the cold weather city because I don't live in a cold weather city. So, you know, the 65 can be brisk. Uh, 25 does suck, though. Um, yeah. We've talked about Thanksgiving all week because that's what we do. We like food. Um, and we're glass like pretty much empty as a show. What mm-hmm. Thanksgiving side... Uh, have you been around where you're like, I don't like that. We need to stop serving that. Is there a Thanksgiving side where you're like, this sucks? Green bean casserole. Uh, why? What? You don't need that. 
green beans are really, really good if you prepare them well. You know, and like they don't need to be in a casserole. I love green beans. I love eating green beans with steak. I love them with um, like a pork chop. You can eat them with ham. You can eat them with anything. But don't put cream of mushroom soup and some kind of weird like crackling, I don't know, stuff on top and put it in the oven. Don't do that. Don't serve that. Crispy onions? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> delicious. Get that, get that. Yeah. No. Get that. No, I, I actually I like it, but I'm not going to hate on you for not liking it. But uh, Willie, another member of the company yesterday, that was his first choice as well. He annihilated yeah. the green bean casserole. Nice. Good job, Willie. <laughs> you're, you're, you're linked or locked together on, uh, on that one. All right. We were just talking about Derek Carr and his future, and, you know, we were kind of – half series yesterday we're talking about hey does that denver game and the big touchdown passes down the stretch and in overtime does that uh, bring him back into the fold now with the raiders he's not gone yet but there was a feeling a couple weeks ago after crying after the game teams losing like it, it may be the end of the road here especially with the contract so uh, a couple minutes ago i started looking around i was asking john looking around the league like if you were Derek Carr, where would you want to go and I thought AFC situations that are interesting. I can't imagine Mike Tomlin, if Pickett doesn't show a lot of improvement, I think they're going to look for a veteran quarterback. But would you be interested if you're Derek Carr in being on the Steelers, the Colts, or the Patriots? Jets. Uh, yeah, the Jets were another one that I was going to mention. I think the Jets would probably work pretty well just Ugh. based on that offensive system. You know, you've got the, the Mike LaFleur from Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. That's one place. Um, where I, I think that, that would make sense. But I, look, I think anybody should be happy to play for Mike Tomlin. You know, I think that's one place where you go and you have a decent quarterback, you're going to be competitive just based on the way that team is. I mean, yeah. that Mike Tomlin's not had a losing season in 15 years. And he might have one this year, but there's, you know, a bit of a talent deficit. Uh, one you didn't mention, though, Tennessee. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill's fine, but I think that. In the right circumstances, Derek Carr might be a little bit better. So, and Malik Willis, at least right now, is not ready to play. That was very obvious by the way that they played him um, a few weeks back. So, I, I don't know. I mean, there are some situations that are going to be intriguing. You know, who knows what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams? Maybe that's another place where he could end up. I don't know, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 a interesting situation, and I, I feel like at this point it. It's not out of the box to think that Derek Carr is not going to be a Las Vegas Raider next year. As a uh, Jets fan and a native of New Jersey, New York, I nix the Derek Carr to New York. If Carr thinks that Paul Gutierrez and Vic Tafer are too mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just come on, and I, and I, like I always got to think about that with the Jets and Giants. I mean, you're you're seeing like I don't know that, and we'll get into Zach Wilson. I don't know that Zach Wilson did anything terrible, but in New York, his reaction that's terrible. Well, I think it. I think it, his reaction would not have played well in the in any locker room anywhere, based on how well that defense is playing. And it gets amplified, yes, because he's a quarterback of the New York Jets. But you could have been the quarterback of I don't know the Houston Texans, and if you play as poorly as Zach Wilson is playing, you know, he had seventy-seven passing yards, man. Like, what are you talking about saying that the offense, which didn't score more than three points, does not, you know, did not let the defense down. Of course it did. You all are part of a team, but you each individual phase has to lift it, its own weight. So the fact that Zach Wilson's standing up there as the leader of the offense and he's saying that, no, we didn't let anybody down, that, that to me, I understand why that doesn't play well. 
the, it's such an easy win to yeah. say, oh, yes, of course yep. we did. Take the blame. We scored three points. Yep. It's so easy. I don't understand why he didn't do it. Uh, you know, the quarterbacks are trained to do these things. He should have done that. It's easy. He was trained in BYU with a tough media in Salt Lake. I mean, he, he, he had no training. That's why he wasn't – he was never going to be prepped yeah, until but... he grows up. He was not ready for New York, and that – you're right. That response is freaking absurd. And, and then the flip side is Justin Fields in Chicago, which is another tough, you know, hard work in town, and the defense – well, it hasn't been that good. But anyway, he, he got hurt. He gutted it out. Like, it sounds like you were talking about it, that Fields did the right thing and did win over his teammates. Right, you know, yeah, and that was that report from Albert Breer today where he said that uh, Justin Fields got up and he made an apology to the defense saying, hey, guys played well enough for us to win and we've got to be better on offense. And then they stopped him apparently and said that we're a team and it's this and it's that. And it's just accountability, right, where you you have a standard set by your leaders and then that trickles down to everything else. You know, I, b- being um, at SoFi on Sunday night where – the Chiefs and the Chargers were playing, it really struck me listening to guys like Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, just the amount of accountability that they have within the players, right? So it gets set, yeah, from Andy Reid, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes, one of the best players in the entire National Football League, he holds everybody to a standard. Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends of all time. He holds everybody to a standard. And when you have those guys who are doing those things, that trickles down to everywhere else. So if you want to talk about the Jets again, so where is the leadership, right? I mean, you've got Robert Salo, who I agree that the uh, the offense was dog poop. But when you go up there and you're at the podium and you're setting that standard as the head coach, then how does that trickle down to everybody else? I don't know. So I, I'm not saying that. You know, it's it's Robert Sala's fault that Zach Wilson doesn't take responsibility and doesn't take accountability for what the offense does or doesn't do. But there are things where every team has got to figure out its best way of leadership and how things can go forward so that they can become a winning franchise. Because the reason why the Chiefs are so good is because that culture is set. You know, you look at the Jets, that culture is not set. The Bears are trying to establish something, and it helps when Justin Fields does what he does. So speak on that uh, theme of leadership then, um, how much do we put on the shoulders of Cliff Kingsbury and what's happening with Arizona? Because this thing seems to have fallen apart. You have Troy Aikman calling out players on the broadcast for quitting in the middle of games, essentially, on touchdown runs. And now we get the report that uh, one of their assistant coaches, of course, had to be fired because of an incident in Mexico City. Uh, this seems to be falling apart all around Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, but it was falling apart before. You know, this yeah. goes back to last year. They were 10-2. and two. They lose, I think, four of their last five, five of their last six, whatever it is, and then limp into the playoffs, and then were completely uncompetitive against the Rams in that wild card game that they had on Monday night. So I, the fact that Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime got extensions through 2027 was astonishing to me when that news came out. And no, we don't know the guarantees and the contracts and all of that kind of thing. But if you look at that team and the way that it's collapsed over the last couple of years, and then now, you know, you watch Hard Knocks. One of the things that I was fascinated by is everybody talks about, you know, it's a week-to-week league. You never look ahead. You have to focus on one opponent. And in the first episode of that in-season Hard Knocks, Cliff Kingsbury is talking to his team and he says, we've got three divisional opponents in a row. If we win these, we're going to be right in the thick of things, guys. 
and what have they done? They've gone one and two, and the only reason they beat the Rams is because they were playing John Wolford and the Little Sisters of the Poor on the Rams' offensive line. So what this team is right now is absolutely a mess, and I think, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury certainly bears responsibility for it, and so does Steve Kine. We have also Odell Beckham Jr.'s name occurring more and more and appearing more and more in headlines. Dak Prescott up on Pro Football Talk. Odell Beckham Jr. knows how much I want him here. Is this hey, going to happen? Hey, Miles, we got about 45 seconds left. All right. Well, it seems like it is. I mean, it's just one of those situations where they're, like, flirting with each other from across the room, and everybody's basically like, guys, like, you – you like each other. Just go go into the closet and make out for seven minutes or whatever you want to do. So I see it happening between Dallas and OBJ, and I'll be surprised if it doesn't. Wow, that was quick. That was quick. I'm still amazed by the fury over Odell Beckham, who's coming off an ACL tear, who may not be anywhere close to 100% right. being coveted yeah, yes. by AT. I just, it's, to me, it's the weirdest thing ever. But maybe he, comes back, and he, maybe he comes back and he's 100%. Yeah, well, I kind of doubt it. But if you can get a little bit of something, it's better than nothing. Miles, what do you got coming up rest of the week? Uh, you guys taking off some of the holidays here? Or are you still pumping out shows on Peacock? Uh, we've got shows on Peacock. You can definitely check out uh, the Peter King podcast. We have uh, Jimmy Johnson talking about his new memoir as a guest. So check that out on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Miles, you are the man. Thank you. All right, take care, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter. I'm so tired of the Odell Beckham stuff. I just think it's it's so freaking dumb. Coming up in uh, 30 minutes, we're going to talk uh, gambling weekend, Thanksgiving plays, NFL plays on uh, the traditional Sunday spots with Sam Paniatovich. It's a Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Well, we got a hell of a setup now for the battle for the Fremont Cannon at Allegiant. Nevada coming down to Las Vegas. Nevada's dominated the uh, series the last couple of years. I thought they, Wolfpack did a really good job last year of breaking the Rebels, and the Rebels got really frustrated in the game up there. And, of course, a couple of years ago, the that first Arroyo team just didn't have the goods to compete. And uh, Carson Strong was there last year. Carson Strong was there the year before. He was just – he was awesome. Their pass game was awesome. And, and uh, Jay Nor- – can I mention Jay Norvell? Or are people in the pac line going to get mad? But Norvell was like up top, up top, up top, up top in the 2020 game. Yep. The COVID year at Allegiant. UNLV is the slightly better team. And the argument right now that you can make is the Pack are the worst team in the conference, just like UNLV, they lost to Hawaii, and actually Hawaii pulled away from them. So the gap between these teams is not gigantic, and UNLV was going to have a lot to play for the bowl game, right? First one since 2013-14, and Nevada could play the spoiler, right? Save your season at the end, the position that UNLV has been in so many times. And with Sanchez, they they actually did you know win that game three out of five years. They, they got fired up. They were ready for it. Well, something interesting is developing with UNLV. Um, when we we were down in Hawaii, we watched them lose, and you know the, the kids were devastated. Like, hey, the, the dream of going to a bowl game is ruined. Well, here's the thing: they've got so many freaking bowl games and so many slots. Right now, they're short over ten teams with six wins. So a bunch of five win teams have a chance to get to six wins. Well, if a lot of them lose and they don't win, 
right? That's what happens when you lose. You don't win. Um, <laughs> then there's a group of teams sitting at four wins that could bump up to five and seven. Then they'd be on the same level as the five-win five win teams now that lose. And then what it comes down to, they got to fill, if they don't have enough six-win teams, they fill it by APR. Five-win teams with the best APR. And I think it's a feather in the cap of Marcus Arroyo. I know people are really frustrated. Um, and Sanchez started this, but they have a good APR. Now, I'd have to look at the rankings with all of the teams that are sitting at five now and where they'd fall. Well, it's interesting. I sent you a link to Vanderbilt, right? Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt has a shot as a five-win team. UNLV's APR is actually ahead of Vanderbilt's. Rice, I think, has the best APR of the potential five-win teams. But long story short, if a bunch of things fell in the right place and UNLV finally snaps their seven-game losing streak, they could make a bowl game. So that's even more on the bulletin board for Ken Wilson and Nevada. Like, hey, they got a little bit of hope. Let's freaking crush it. Right. I, that's I w- a good setup for a game between a, a four-win team and a two-win team. I, I would say so. I, and look – so, from what we understand about, and you were a little bit closer to the locker room, how devastated that locker room was after that loss to Hawaii, I would think that given this news about an outside shot of just take care of business and you could still achieve your goal, that is huge in terms of pushing this team forward emotionally, having them get focused up and ready to go for a a home game against uh, Nevada. I, I would think this is massive news for them. And, yes, there are some things that are out of your control, but still at the end of the day, the the message you would think is put yourself in a position to do it. And think about everything in terms of the checkboxes if they get that. If they get the win, they get the cannon. You had, Arroyo gets his first win against Nevada, and on top of that, you could go to a bowl. That's that's humongous for this team. I don't think it'll happen. Like I don't know. I don't right. mean the part with Nevada and UNLV. I've you know I don't know who's going to win the game. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think the spread is probably too big. So again, there are nine slots, nine slots, because they don't have enough six-win teams. Nine slots open where teams could get to six and shut down all the four-win teams that could get to five and seven. Uh, nine slots are seventeen teams right now sitting with five wins, and they include schools like Michigan State. It'd be kind of big for Michigan State. That's kind of Pretty devastating when you're paying a coach $9 million a year for him not even to make a freaking bowl game. Mizzou's in that mix. You think Mario Cristobal wants to go to a bowl game? I know he's frustrated. That'd be good. G-Tech, I mentioned Vandy, and then you got a lot of group of five schools. So another thing to set up the battle for the cannon. Freaking really, really good setup. JBT, Cofield, Cofield, and company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Tim Cofield here with John Von Tobel. We're actually at a college basketball tournament around UNLV basketball. Keeping an eye, though, on what's going on in the Cayman Islands. That's a trip, huh? We're in Dana Point, California. Cayman Islands tournament, that's where Nevada is. Uh, yesterday, the pack. Cinched another win. By the way, off to a 5-0 start, just like UNLV. So, good times while uh, Nevada College football struggled to, only, uh, to six overall wins. What were you going to say? I was going to say, and only two spots in the, uh, behind UNLV in the Ken Palm ratings. There you go. 10-0 and combined between Steve Alford's team and Kevin Kruger's team. Uh, yesterday, Nevada with a win over Tulane. Pack still a little beat up in terms of depth on the bench, but uh, – 
Lucas, the transfer in from Oregon State, he had 22. Didn't shoot it great, but got to the free throw line a bunch. Uh, Blackshear, who's a, a good player, thick guy at 6'6", double-double. Darren Williams, freshman from Las Vegas, averaging 9-8. and eight. He had 7-6, and six, and then uh, Will Baker's a freaking handful, you know, former five-star guy who was at Texas and has had a couple of good years here now for the pack at eight points and seven rebounds. Around the conference, interesting. Wyoming loses in the U.S. Virgin Islands to a B.C. team that's not great. Why'd they lose? Well, they're without Graham E.K., who's one of the favorites to win player of the year. He was all-conference preseason of the Mountain West Conference. The only, only team with two guys on the team, Wyoming. Hunter Maldonado also hurt now. Now, his injury is not – I don't think he's going to be super serious. But anytime you hear someone got staples in their head, that ain't good. Just the act of, like, stapling someone's head. Sounds very, very aggressive. What's the word? Have you have you had stitches? Yeah, like but like from a surgeon. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Okay, no. but no, no, uh, like cut. No. So when I was a kid, I did get a, like a massive gash right here. My teeth went through my lip, right, oh, really? right, 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 my uh, little like lip right here. Uh, but they put like some sort of adhesive on it, not yeah. uh, not a, not stitches. That hurt. That hurt like a mother. I fell out of a bunk bed and ripped my face apart. Nice. Like my mouth, like was like torn. I had like yeah. fifty stitches. Fifty. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I literally, like, it grabbed. It's not like, like a childhood memory where it was more like, eh, it was like seven. No, nah, it was, you know what, I'll have to, I'll to, I'll have to text mom. And you know what I mean? Stitches. Yeah. I haven't talked to her in a little while, so that'll be the, that'll be a good uh, opening text. Hey, what's going on? How, How many, many stitches, stitches did I get? <laughs> and I, uh, I've been kicked in the, in the, around my eye. I got kicked around my eye playing baseball. Again, no, no high-level stuff. Yeah, someone's spikes came up and kicked me in the eye. And then uh, clash of heads in basketball going for a loose ball and got like eight stitches in my eyebrow. Yeah. I think that's all I've had. Stitches beyond that. And surgery. But but never staples. Right. I might have staples in, in my uh, face. Have you ever been – well, obviously up. you have to be. Yeah. That's the one thing that really – that was, that was going to be a dumb question. <laughs> but the the feeling of stitches where like you can feel them pulling on your skin. I don't know. I never uh, – I don't like any of it. I, yeah, I didn't say I enjoyed great. any of the yeah. stitches. <laughs> It all sucks. And believe me, it's a lot better than it was when I was a kid. That's a long time ago. Uh, San Diego State's in the Maui. So they won last night. Uh, Mountain West Conference basketball update here. They won last night 88-77 against Ohio State. So now what? Are you surprised by this total? Uh, today is over 160, right? It's 166.5 in some spots. Just knowing what we know about San Diego State, what they want to do generally. I mean, last night was 165, but that seems like an outlier for – San Diego State. I mean, and look, they are, to, to be fair, offensively, they're playing super fast this year. Uh, I think right now they're 26th in terms of average possession length. Uh, tempo, they're 111th. It's pretty fast for a San Diego State team. Things change when you've got more offensive players that you trust. <laughs> yep. And you've got a – and you've, they've always had good point guards, but Darren Trammell has potential to be – and he's, he's small and fast. I mean, yep. he has potential to run uh, an up-tempo team. But defensively, they're 330th in tempo and pace. Like, they're, they're dragging out these defensive possessions against opponents. I mean, Arizona had 101 last night and a 194 total against Cincy. Yeah. And Arizona can – they can run. They can shoot it. It's a good offensive team. But I would bet the under. Seems really high. Yeah. And, and Arizona's run too, like you said, but that's crazy. I can see it turning into a grinder, especially late, where possession by possession for the last five minutes, all of a sudden, you know, you get a 4-2 a game for the final five minutes. Right. I'm interested. I haven't been able to watch the San Diego State team like you know possession to possession for a game yet. So I am very much very excited to uh, escape this hotel for a day. 
and uh, also go and Boy. check it out. For the rest of the Mountain West Conference, you better hope that San Diego State, there's some holes that emerge. Yeah. Because they were hard to beat last year, and they were not good offensively. And now they don't have to rely on Matt Bradley going out there some nights and going 3 of 18. They're a top they, 25 They offense. just don't. And they're still as good defensively because, as I've said many times, uh, I think Nathan, Nathan Mentz is like one of the most impressive big men I've ever seen play defense in college. I would Think agree. about this. Nathan Mensa, uh, when UNLV played San Diego State, he would get, I'm going to say caught, but I think they did it willingly, high pick and roll with Bryce Hamilton, mm-hmm. who led the conference in scoring, averaged like 22.5 in conference. Mensa would get caught defending Bryce Hamilton. You're like, okay, two guard against big man, dead meat. Bryce could never or very rarely turn the corner against Nathan Mensa. By the way, Bryce Hamilton, if people are interested, is now playing for the South Bay Lakers. Saturday, he scored 29 points in the G League. Uh, yesterday morning, they played a game. He scored 35. He's shooting 52% from three. So he's like on the verge of being an NBA player. I don't know if he's ever going to get big minutes, but again, back to the point, a 6'11 dude in college kept him from turning the corner. Yep, That's pretty crazy stuff. Well, and for Hamilton, too, uh, as you said, he's doing very well. He's also getting an opportunity, potentially, just because the Lakers might need some bodies. And the Lakers, that's the one thing I think I've mentioned before, and if you talk to anybody who follows it like really hardcore, they will speak to this, too. Lakers have an eye for talent. Their scouting department has done a really good job over the last 10 years or so, getting some of these young guys and picking them out, using their G League to develop them. Their scouting and development has been really good. Uh, Hamilton's in a really good situation. So every Tuesday we get to this moment in the show, and we're like, will we do it? Do we play into the hype machine? Are they out? Should we do it? Sure. But I love that question right there. <laughs> what? Are they out? Yeah. We're talking about the CFP rankings. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, yeah, sure. Why not? It's an interesting week. I'm sure there will be people who are upset about it. I would say that there's really not that much to get upset about. We kind of understand what's going on here at this point right now, but – Always fun to get mad at stuff. Ooh, I'm excited now. Oh, boy. I see it. Yeah, there's nothing to get mad about. What are we mad about? Spill the beans. Number one. You want to go backwards or forward? No, because the bottom matters. All right, so number one, Georgia. Uh, Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. Number four, TCU. LSU is now number five. Moves up to number five in the country. The uh, highest-ranked two-loss team, obviously, because all four teams are defeated, and ranked ahead of USC, who comes in 10-1 and one as number six in the college football playoff ranking. Clemson is eight behind Alabama with one loss versus two-loss Alabama. And you've been saying for the last couple of weeks, what about Bama? That they're just not as, they're not as good as we they're expected not. them to be. And they're, they're, not. Not, they're not the feather in the cap anymore that they are. And it's funny because – and there's so many ripple effects from that, right – LSU is viewed as the best two-loss team in the country because they beat Alabama. Well, Alabama went on the road early in the season and barely beat Texas, lost on the road to Tennessee, who got smoked last weekend by South Carolina. All these things, Alabama's not the – Nothing knocks down their reputation no matter what. Yep, it's crazy. And But you know what's in this, what I mean by all these tentacles? What's crazy from it is not only the overvaluing of some teams from like a ranking standpoint, think about Texas. Texas played Alabama tight. And then when Quinn Ewers came back, the betting markets and everybody else viewed Texas as a top-ten team in the country, and it all stemmed from them playing Alabama tight. 
but that's not the game that it was anymore. It's not it's not the accomplishment that it was anymore. And it's and that's why you see these teams getting lifted up the way that they are. Georgia one, Ohio State two, Michigan three, TCU four, LSU five, USC six, Bama seven, Clemson eight, Oregon nine, Tennessee ten, now without Hendon Hooker. That sucks. I mean, Michigan is virtually guaranteed to be in, right? No. Unless they lose fifty six nothing. If they lose this game and it's close, you cannot jump any of these teams over them. Yes, you can. Michigan's strength of schedule is the worst in the top twenty-five. That that's the one thing they're going to. That's the one thing you look at. Their strength of schedule is terrible, and so if they lose, that's why. Like my theory, let's move away from strength of schedule. But why? Because I think watching the teams play. Just because they scheduled some patsies, I and mean, we just had the SEC go through their stupid week, most of them, where they're playing SOCOM teams, which at the end of the season is abysmal. Uh-huh. It's a horrific move. It is. But in terms of matchups, first of all, LSU is going to lose to Georgia. Okay. So they're not even. They're not. They're going to be a three-loss team. Georgia is going to freaking smoke them. They're they're not beating Georgia in the SEC title game. Okay. Who would you rather see? Let's just let's play the fantasy that TCU gets through all of this unbeaten, right? And Ohio State beats Michigan. By the way, I think Michigan has a shot. I don't like the fact that Blake Corum may not play, which is looking more and more like he won't. That's Michigan's running back. So if you had the fourth team and your choices are Michigan with a close loss to Ohio State, Bama with two losses, Clemson with one loss, who do you want in that four hole? Well, then Michigan, Cle- Bama. Or Clemson, and I'm also going to say that I think USC is going to lose one of these final two games. So you're asking who I want or who you th- who I think is going to grab that in that scenario? Who do you want in the bracket to make it competitive? You just said you don't think Alabama is that good. Yeah, I'm debating. You between... sound like you're writing off Michigan because of strength of schedule in the non-con. They no, gotta, but, they got to play who they play but you're missing, in, the, in the conference. You're missing my point with that. Right. But my whole point is from the committee standpoint and what actually gets them into it. Right, Their strength of schedule has not been good. And we can't ignore you need a last-minute drive against Illinois. You play Michigan State tight uh, the first half against uh, one of their other lesser Big Ten opponents. I think it was Iowa uh, that they were kind of scuffling with in the first half of that game. Uh, right? You can look at all of these games that they really didn't put away a lot of the opponents until late in the second half. J.J. McCarthy is a lesser passer as a quarterback. We've seen that multiple times. I think those are the things on top of a week's strength of schedule that holds them back. Now, who would I rather see in that scenario? I mean, the chaos in me kind of wants to see Clemson because I would love to see Clemson and DJU and that offense go out there and maybe get smoked by some of these teams. Like, I understand the point. I or, just think, or maybe be the team with the most, you know, stout defense of right. the teams that are on the outside looking in, and DJU actually plays like he has in past years. Oh, and well, and here's the thing. For a four-week stretch from the Wake Forest win on the road where they didn't cover but they won in overtime to the point where they lost to Syracuse, DJU had been one of the best passers in the country. He had led the country in big-time throw rate. He had a high PFF passing grade. And then, you know, you lose the game, and then all of a sudden it's just kind of falling apart for you. But they're, they're still kind of they're just looming as a team that could potentially be a champion in their conference yeah. and even, make it in. Even with just four teams in the college football playoff, to me, Bama getting in as the fourth team just kind of reeks of what we feel a lot of years in the NCAA tournament where, you know, there's a conference or two where they just seem to put everyone in. Well, because, you know, it's the Big Ten, really. Oh, big, you got nine teams. Got to let them in. Like, no, you don't. You don't. You don't have to let in teams that have had so-so years. 
based on expectations and just go, hey, the rep of the conference gets you in. Mm-hmm. The rep of the SEC gets Bama in. No. This is, this is not a great Bama team. I don't believe it's one of the top four teams in the country. I would agree with that. By the way, I, think, I misspoke. I meant to say they're lost to Notre Dame. That's where they lost, not to Syracuse uh, for Clemson. But, no, I, look, I agree with all of that. But, again, at the end of the day, too, this committee is all over the place. But I would think that if you want Michigan and Ohio State in, the best route for that is Michigan to, to win a, yes. close, a close game. Reno, you've been listening to the Battleborn Sports Hour on ESPN Reno. If you want to hear all three hours of the show, Cofield and Company, a three-hour show, you can find the archives on lvsportsnetwork.com. Five o'clock hour is on the way. We'll start looking at uh, NFL Thanksgiving leans and likes as Sam Paniotovich is in, our gambling expert on Tuesdays.